0: All right, good morning. I want to go ahead and encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 6. I'm going to begin there in just a moment. Uh, he closes um, uh, chapter 5 uh, with um, uh, something that I really wanted to talk about today, but I just talked about it in January, about the old wine and, uh, and the new wineskins. And I kind of wanted to tie it into what we were talking about in one of our classes this morning when it comes to traditions. Uh, Jesus closed chapter 5 by saying, No one puts old wine... Uh, I mean, new wine, into old wineskins. And, and the point of that parable is to say this. man, once, once you are established in something, once you have been a part of a teaching or a tradition that has stretched you, um, it, it molds you and it forms you, and that is what you are. That's what you become. Uh, across our country and across the world this morning, churches meet everywhere. There's small churches, big churches, um, churches that are like nightclubs, churches that are like spas, churches like... like um, um, it's everything, man, and, and, and uh, there's high church, low church. You know, Doctor Seuss should have written a book about all this stuff. Uh, I didn't have time. I was going to put together my little Doctor Seuss poem about it this morning, but um, I think one of the healthiest things we can do as Christians is is to be careful about isolating ourselves too much inside of a small bubble, um, because there are traditions that we grow up with and traditions we become accustomed to. Um, that it's, it's very awkward for any of us to experience something outside of that. And they can become very deadly and very dangerous. We're going to talk about that some when we get into chapter six. I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of this. If maybe you've offended somebody, you walk into a church setting, and I'm always cognizant of, of maybe visitors, and you might be here this morning, that walk in and say, man, what is going on at this church? What is this weirdness? Um, Why are you singing those songs? Why the old songs? Why the new songs? Why is it done this way? And all these different things when you come into a church, these are the thoughts that go through your head. And you don't know if you're going to offend somebody, right? By the way you're going to dress or the way you're going to speak. I wonder how many of you have offended somebody when you walk into a church and you had no idea what the tradition and culture was in that place. I walked into a church one time and I I said, man, where, where, where can I find some coffee? I said it in the most respectful way. This man said, this is not a coffee shop, son. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm a, uh, I'm a coffee person. Um, but it's one of those things that I had really offended that person. And I was thinking, man, that, that was hurtful the way he responded to me. You know, and I've seen other ex- uh, moments where maybe somebody's baptized in a church and there's visitors there and they're excited and they start clapping, but that church doesn't like clapping, right? And so, so somebody gets up and rebukes the visitors for clapping. You know, and, and all of a sudden, you just valued your tradition more than you valued what? The people. And, and all of a sudden, something happened where your traditions became more sacred to you than the people themselves. I, I think one of, the, one of the most important things we can do is continually evaluate who we are in our traditions. The more diverse the church is, the healthier it is. Um, diversity really helps us. Um, getting outside of our box the way we think and challenging ourselves. I was deeply offended when I was a teenager. I walked into a church that didn't offer an invitation song. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. In fact, probably most of y'all don't even know what that is. But an invitation song, I walked into a church that didn't have that, and I was deeply offended that there wasn't that. Now, I can't explain why, you know, what happens in us to create these things. Um, today, I was thinking about it this morning, um, if I were to come up here and if I had enough letters after my name to maybe get away with it, I could challenge if certain books in the Bible belong there or not, certain scriptures belong there or not. Is the Greek this way or that? And most people would be comfortable and fine with saying, challenging what's in the Bible and what's not. Nuancing, Try doing that with the Constitution. Man, somebody will shoot you. You don't mess with the Constitution. You can mess with the Bible all you want to, man. Don't touch the Constitution. Because sometimes the law of man... Don't shoot me after church now. uh, Sometimes the law of man, we trump over even the law of God. And we, we make fun of when we see it happen in Scripture. But we realize we start doing it ourselves all the time with our traditions. With the way we think. And trying to isolate those things. I mean, it's super important. So Jesus says this. No one puts new wine and an old wineskin. And his point is this, in our small church groups across the nation today, we are trained to compare ourselves one to another. Well, in this church, they do that. In that church, they do this. I like things that way. And this is how Western Christianity thinks. We compare ourselves to each other. It's exactly what Paul told us not to do, but that's what we do. And, and, and the problem is we become all of our thoughts and our culture coalesces into them. Man, this is my small group. This is how I think. And, and this is what I'm comfortable with. These songs sung this way and in this manner, this way of doing a worship service, all of this. Um, now I'm going to kind of go back to Luke six. And I just want you to think about that in our time and setting. And I'm going to take this back to what is happening with Jesus here. Um, It's impossible to talk about um, what Jews believed or what Jews believe. That language always makes me really uncomfortable. Um, Because as diverse as Christianity is today, you can't say what Christians believe. Um, Judaism was always just that diverse. Um, There was the school of of, uh, Hillel uh, right before the time of Christ leading up to the time of Christ... Uh, there was the school of Hillel and there was a, a competing school of um, Shammai. There was the Qumran community that, just like Jesus, um, opposed the teachings of the Pharisees. Uh, said that though they were men who sought after the lies of men. And that their own oral teachings and their own rulings. That they felt that what the Pharisees had done was, was adding to the word. And so it wasn't just Jesus. There were a lot of religious groups competing here. But by the time of Christ, get this... There were a thousand and one different laws just pertaining to the Sabbath day. A thousand and one Sabbath laws. Now, to put that into perspective, there were only 613 laws in the Old Testament altogether. And so, just their laws about Sabbath were bigger than the entire Bible, the entire canon. And so if you're ever bored, sit down and just read about Sabbath laws. It's actually super fun. Um, Some of their laws, I mean, I always love getting into this and talking about it. And and really, to be honest with you, in many, many communities, these laws are just as absurd today. And we definitely have our own. You can spit on the Sabbath as long as it falls on a rock. If it falls in the dirt, you just made mortar true story. That's a law. That's a written law. That's not me making fun. That is a written law, right? Um, even walking through the grain fields. When we open up the story, you can stop right there because the school of Shammai taught you cannot walk through a grain field. Why? Because if your ankle turns, anything happens and you step on, you just thrust wheat. You know, you just did something that was work, okay? And so these were laws. You, can gar- you cannot gargle on the Sabbath. You cannot... You cannot um, pair your fingernails. You can't bite your fingernails on the Sabbath. That's work. You cannot put out a fire on the Sabbath. If your house is on fire, you have to let it burn. It got so serious. And now, now, by the way, if a Gentile walks by, this is also in their law, they're allowed to put out the fire, but you're not allowed to ask them to. You're allowed to say, it would be nice if somebody put out this fire. But you... I'm... I'm actually, I've been saying that, let me tell you, I'm, I'm quoting that law. That's exactly what it says. You can say it would be nice, but you can't ask somebody to do that for you. Um, and so all of these laws, they got super weird, and it got really weird, um, up at, at right up until the time of Christ that an entire community was wiped out in a war, um, because it was on the Sabbath and they were not permitted to defend themselves. And so they changed their teachings. They changed their rulings. This was in the Maccabean times to say that the Sabbath was given to you, but you were not given to the Sabbath. That's from the Talmud. Jesus was quoting the Talmud when he says that in the book of Mark, that the Sabbath was made for man and man was not made for the Sabbath. And so to save a life, you can defend yourself because they began to view life as sacred. Scriptures, if the house was on fire, you could work to save Scripture because Scripture was considered sacred. So you could save a life at this point. You could save Scriptures. You, there's things that you could do because they were considered sacred in their culture. But this is how Luke 1 opens up. On another Sabbath, we went into the synagogue and as he was teaching and a man was there. Oh man, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. I'm going to have to read this. This is just. Let me just begin in verse 1 and then I'm going to get to that. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Let me tell you, they just broke four Sabbath laws in one sentence. They walked through the grain fields. That was against the law. They rubbed them in their hands. That was preparing food. Okay, Everything they did right now just violated the law, and all they're doing is walking through a grain field and eating the grain. But the Pharisees are looking to entrap him. And they said, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? The next story we have, it says, On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Now believe it or not, man, I had to look this up because I could not believe that this was true. But the house of Shammai, which was the you know the more prevalent house of, of, of the Pharisees' thinking, said this. On, on, on Sabbath, Sabbath is not for petition, but may healing come swiftly. You're not allowed to pray for the healing of another person on Sabbath. Did you catch that? You can't even pray for the healing of another person on Sabbath. You sure couldn't heal somebody on Sabbath unless it was life-threatening if a bone is broken it cannot be replaced it cannot be mended on the sabbath that's how serious this was so when you're talking about a healing that's going to take place you know this is the one story i looked at with christ and said what problem would they have with him healing somebody on 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 the sabbath how is that work it's because jesus it's not work to heal somebody I, and all of a sudden they're watching him to see if he would do this And this is what Jesus does. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So we got up and stood there. Um, I really love this part of the story. Because what you did in the most sacred place outside of the temple, when you come to the synagogue, this is a sacred assembly. And you would take the sacred law out and you would present the sacred law in front of the people. And this was a place where everything is done and you've gone to church this way. It's got to be done in this order. It's got to be sacred. And he takes this lame man and brings him up in front of everybody. And Jesus is essentially saying this, this is what's sacred. This man is sacred. This hurt man is sacred. And what's better? To do good, to do good, or to do evil on a day like this? Um, I don't know how many of you like me have been hurt by this in the church in in your life. As a minister in the church, I cannot tell you how many times you have to become extremely thick-skinned, especially growing up in church in the South, where... Listen, if I baptized somebody and I, I didn't say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or if I said in Jesus' name, or if it didn't go all the way, all these different things, this formula had to be exact, or I was seriously rebuked. Um, I remember serving communion. It was my greatest fear to this day in church, outside of maybe leading singing. When you would stand and you were told to do things a certain way, and the men would march down the aisle together at the same time as the men on that side, and if your step was off, son, you are done and i i came in the doors and somebody pulled me aside and they needed to pray and they were talking to me and i said i'm serving communion i was out of step with that side of the auditorium listen i had a man in tears pull me by my arm into my office throw me against a wall and let me have it because i was out of step let me tell you man that kind of stuff that kind of behavior in a church is stuff that makes me, and maybe you've been there before, and especially the people that aren't here, it makes me want to say, God, I love you, but deliver me from those people. I can't. I can't do this. I can't go there. I can't be around this. And here's the sick thing that was happening in the synagogues and with the law. They valued the Sabbath as sacred, the temple as sacred, the scriptures as sacred, but they did not value people as sacred. They didn't value the people as sacred. And they were willing to sacrifice people for the sake of their traditions. And that is really what's at work in these chapters. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians um, 3.17. Well, I'm going to come back to that verse. In in 1 Corinthians 3.17, God's temple is sacred. And you are that temple. You are the very temple of God and the people that are around you. In class this morning, we were talking about one of the most sacred topics to me. And that is this idea that when I speak, when I'm in an argument, when whatever's happening in my life, I am before God. I am before him in his presence. In my sin, I am before him. And my and, and every moment of my life, I live before a holy and mighty God. And when I speak and everything that happens, thinking that way, then I'm continually in prayer before this God. And how that affects the way I think and I speak and I live and all these different things. Um, that is something we have to continually keep in our minds uh, present before us. And Jesus is going to do something. I want to kind of demonstrate what he does through his ministry. In each one of these healings, he violates a law of the Talmud, the Mishnah. He's going to deliberately do it. Now, that's something I didn't know before. I thought, well, man, did he mess up? No, he goes out of his way to break their laws. I'll give you some examples of that. Um, We talked about walking through the wheat fields. He didn't have to walk through the wheat fields. He deliberately walked through the wheat fields to make a point out of this. But he was violating their their laws. When he tells a man, rise up, get your mat and walk on the Sabbath, there was a specific law against carrying your mat. He could get up and walk leisurely, the, Tal- the Talmud says, but he could not walk carrying a mat. So Jesus goes out of his way and says, oh, by the way, pick up your mat because we're going to break that law. Then he's going to um, heal a blind man. It says he puts spit on a blind man's eyes. You remember that story from the book of John? He spits and he puts it on the man's eyes. Did you know that there's a specific law that says you will not put spit on a man's eyes on Sabbath? Dead serious. I gave you the reference right there. That's from Shabbat 108 um, b That's a specific reference. You can't put spit on a person's eyes on the Sabbath day. So what does Jesus do? I'm going to deliberately break your law. And he's going to do it over and over again. Here he heals a man on a day where he says, you're not supposed to heal somebody unless it's a life-threatening thing. So what he does is he deliberately isolates and addresses those laws which were man's laws and, and says, this is not acceptable. And I think we have to do the same thing in our church and our culture today. When you come into a church like Meadowlark, my prayer for our church, and what I want you to know about our church is this. When you come in and say, what kind of people are this? What are their beliefs? What are their convictions? Listen, we have them. Um, Well, if you were here last week, I kind of just let loose on some. I've got convictions. But we're also a people committed to change. We're also a people committed to look and look at what we're doing and say, maybe things could be different. Maybe we ought to readdress some things that we do the way we approach other areas because man's laws cannot be on on par with God's laws. And just like Jesus addressed them and said, this is something that is not from God, I'm going to isolate it, address it, and say be careful here. Our churches have broken fellowship with other churches based on laws of men and not laws of God. Listen, that's not just a mistake. I'm going to say something firm again this week. Please email me. Let's talk. I'm going to say that's a sin. To break fellowship with Christians based on the rules of men, that is a sin. And we have to be able to embrace one another um, in the Christian community. And I pray that if you're visiting here this morning or if you're new to Meadowlark, I want you to know that we're a people that are committed to live in front of God. And say, God, what are you saying? Where are you directing us? How are you leading us? Show me what's in my heart. This is the end of Psalm 139. Show me, reveal to me what's in my heart. See if there is any wicked way in me. See if there's any man-made way in this body, in this church, in our teaching. Reveal it to us and help us change. Jesus said in Matthew 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. I love the versions that say the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Um, most of us grew up in a community where the first day of the week was considered a sacred time, and I believe it is. And the reading of Scripture and coming before God in prayer, and all of this is seen as sacred. But what I believe God's Word also teaches is this. Um, These people that you're working with in your life, these people that are not here this morning, these people that whatever they are in our lives... (laughs) These are God's, I'm just going to say this, treasured by God, sacred to God. And and, in our outreach to other people, I I pray that we would be very, very concerned with what God considers sacred and not with what man considers sacred. To see that and to be able to do, which I wish I, I had thought more about this this morning, But to be able to take someone, and there's several people that I was thinking about this morning in this room right now. To take someone whose life has been transformed by the gospel. And there's people in here right now that I'm thinking about that a month ago were in a dark, dark place. And God is transforming their lives and they're here. To take somebody and put them right in front of everybody and say, this is sacred. This healing right here is the word of God. This is what church is about, is this person. What I've been guilty of for so long is walking into a church, and I still do this. I'm going to tell you, it's my knee-jerk reaction. If I meet a new person, and I and and Jay David, the first time we met, what is the first thing that goes through my mind? Man, I'm going to be working with this guy. He's going to be leading singing here. Man, where did you go to school? Where did you develop your theology? What are you thinking? Who are you? And I, I, I determine who somebody is based on where they went to school. Um, and believe me, I've got strong feelings about our different schools, okay? What church background do you have? And I don't think in terms of David, Brad, Vanna. I don't think in terms of people anymore. I think in terms of churches, ideologies, all these different things. And I just brand people. And that has been my life for a long time, and it's so, so wrong to do that, I believe. When you come to a church like Meadowlark, listen, you're in a place full of a lot of people that disagree with one another on a lot of things. Um, We don't talk about politics a whole lot here, because let me tell you, we're just as blue as we are red in this room right now. I had a girl that called me at midnight last night. We talked at 2 o'clock this morning. I think, I don't know, I was tired. But she was struggling with some things and I'll never forget the time that she walked into a church and she was wearing an Obama t-shirt when she walked into a church in the South. And she was asked, please leave the body now because of the shirt that she was wearing. We put the laws of man over what's sacred to God. And listen, man, it's easy to find that in other people, and it's very difficult to find that in ourselves. So I want to pray that we will continually do this because Christ made a point of this. He isolated it. Um, I want to come before God in prayer um, as a body, but maybe more importantly, um, individually. And I want you to lift up um, to God what you hold sacred. What is sacred ground with you? And pray that um, pray that what we hold sacred is what also God holds sacred. And I want to confess in front of all of you, I, I pray that I demonstrate this in my work here, that I'm willing to sacrifice Jeff and sacrifice even long-held traditions maybe that I've had if it means God is directing us somewhere different. Uh, Father, I... Um, I just, I just want to ask of you, I want to beg of you, Father, um, that you are the same God that walked among your people and you revealed what was in their hearts over and over and over again. You exposed men's hearts. And I, I just pray, God, this morning that you would expose my own heart to me, to expose our hearts before you, and that what we hold sacred is what you hold sacred. I pray that you would lift up our eyes, that we would see people, that we would see one another and, and above everything else live a law of love. I pray for your church today. Uh, God, we are isolated in different communities and we boast about what our, how, how our services are and how our services aren't. And I pray that you'd return us to Kingdom Thinkers. Uh, Help us, God. It's uh, in Christ I come before you. Amen. Let's stand and celebrate our God.